Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. I'm Chris Affleck. I think we forgot the, the intro here. Oh, I think, yes, Chris, we, we did forget the introduction and that's because we have a special <laughs> gift for all the listeners today. A brand new introduction. Chris, are you ready? I know you've heard it. It's pretty good. I'm really amped. I'm really amped as well. So here you go, guys. The official new opening and intro for what high school did you go to? I hope you enjoy it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. Louisville is the greatest. Chris, that was pretty great. That's pretty yeah, awesome. It was good. I'm glad we got off to a positive start because I tell you what, I am a little annoyed today <laughs> about just some nonsense that's going on the internet. I've got Ollie putting you Ollie is putting you in the right mood. Yeah, I, 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 you're damn straight. Like I, I need some type of like fighting words. I've got, you know, Justin Rowland over here just taking shots at Bull <laughs> Fan just because he's bored, writing Different tweets the same way just to really get his message across we'll to let to you Justin. guys know that, we'll you know, <laughs> the, the, the whole football recruiting class isn't special, even if you think it is. I've got Rick Bozak, and you may not even seen this. We didn't even mention Rick Bozak. Yeah, yeah I, I get a little bit excited, and I, I slur my words <laughs> a little bit here. But I, I've got him writing articles about Zion Williamson maybe being a bust <laughs> and, and how that relates to Romeo Langford in the NBA. I'm just like – Come on, man! Like, there's it, it's been a it's been a big week for me, dog. We've got it's it's got to get after them the after the Anthony Davis stuff and this. I don't know. I just I, I can't take it off. But it is it is officially hashtag got to get them clicks season now that the NBA finals are over. Chris, we would be remiss if we did not t- talk to you, our resident Lakers fan. You just mentioned Anthony Davis. We need an initial reaction. What are your thoughts on the Davis trade, and why did you guys give up way too much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, my first thought is that these Laker fans that are on Twitter.com tell me to be worried about how the team looks in 2024 can go to hell. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't give a damn about the future. I, I care about what is going on right now. I mean, I would have liked to keep I would have liked to kept Brandon Ingram over yeah. Kyle Kuzma. Uh, that would have been cool. Outside of that, I mean, it, it is what it is. You rarely get a guy like Anthony Davis is prime. I don't really have to like I mean, it, oh, of course. It's it's all about the injury thing. Like sometimes the analysis yeah. isn't really that complicated. I would like to see them like get some mid level guys and maybe go like after like a guy like Terry Rozier and and some guys that are three and D guys like that around them. Um, that that's not how the Lakers operate. So they're going to go all in on on a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Although I don't think they have the money to get yeah. a guy like no, that. It I seems like they don't have a third. Uh, they don't have money for a third. It almost yeah. I, I mean yeah. So you may they may get. But they may not. But I honestly, like we we saw it in the finals, man. Um, obviously, like the war, the Warriors were really depleted, and I mean, it's not the greatest comparison. But you saw a guy like Fran Van Fleet like outplay 
half of the Warriors, you know, in in game six, outplay Kawhi Leonard. We saw that that bench kind of dominate the Warriors. So I, I don't know. I just feel like the death is, is something you might see in the future. Some NBA teams build towards more yeah. than, than having that three stars. Um it's always going to be a star-driven league. That's the NBA. But it does seem like some teams may have learned a lesson from the Warriors. Uh, they, they made the decision to put all their chips in and, and go get Kevin Durant. And, uh, you know, the deaf, the deaf su- suffered because of it. Um, so as far as it relates to the Lakers, man, I, I would just like to see them build around him in a more uh, a more intelligent way rather yeah. than just going in and getting a, a guy that, that, that thinks is just going to be that third star. I don't yeah, know. I'm mostly I'm mostly joking with you when I when I say, why did you give up too much? Because I, I generally agree. I don't you know, if you're a Lakers fan I, and first and foremost, you're always going to be able to sign, you know, you know, high, high level free agents. Right. So you're at a better position immediately than anyone else who's in cap trouble, who's in, you know, who's in draft trouble. You can sign your way out of um, being completely terrible. Like you, you'll just be able to do that in the nature of being Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I do think I, I kind of agree hundred percent with what you said. And, and the, the warrior situation really kind of puts the pressure on, the Lakers and, and was, it was so interesting to see like those, those initial, those initial odds came out right at right. Like the day after the finals ended and the, and the Raptors won. And it was like Lakers plus 400 to win the NBA. It's like they knew right like, away. They knew, they knew, and they had to have known. And it seemed like they had to have known all throughout the finals and maybe they were kind of waiting but no, I, I, this isn't this isn't the Boston trade. I've seen some people say that it's like this is the Boston trade all over again. They are not trading for a 31 year old Anthony Davis. They're right. trading for a 26 year old Anthony Davis. They're trading for an Anthony Davis who's going to have three to five years of prime left. And, the, and I mean, not to interrupt you, but no, this, isn't, this isn't Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. Either. Exactly. Let, let me exactly. be very clear about that. LeBron James isn't one of the second piece and Anthony Davis is not near the tipper bit of a guy like Dwight Howard. Um, It's just not that. And that's, that's really been some type of like, you know, kind of a lazy narrative that's that's just annoyed me a little bit. No. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you kind of mentioned it's like, I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe's podcast today and he mentioned that the Lakers are, who, who was he talking? Kevin Arnovitz of, of the, of the, of ESPN.com. And Kevin was kind of like, Hey, this, you know, the Lakers were just kind of tired of doing the, the, the slow build. They don't have time with that for, with LeBron. And the only sure thing, my window. one concern, my, yeah, my one concern is the Lakers, they, they, you know, they press fast forward on the rebuild. They got the big time guy. They got a top five NBA talent in the league right now. I mean, top five, you know, player, top five, big man of all time, probably, uh, you know, in Anthony Davis in his prime. The problem is they still got to fill out the rest of their roster and, yeah. and they're going to have to do some of the things that teams have to do in rebuilds. They're going to have to find and, guys at a, at a, you know, at a, and that's, that's exactly yeah. what scares me at, at being a Lakers fan, because that's, that's not the Lakers way. Exactly. I mean, the, exactly. the Lakers way is to, to spend money out of it and throw money at the problem and solve it. It, it is not to, to, to have smart guys in the front office who <laughs> scout well and draft well and make good decisions and do things like that. And they're going to need a little bit of that. They don't need a lot of it, 
<laughs> I mean, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. You don't need a lot of it, but you need a little bit of it. You need to find you don't need to find, you know, a Clay Thompson. You don't need to find someone at that level. But you need you need to find, you know, a, a, a diamond in the rough. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it and, doesn't, no, and, and the other thing that worries me about this is that you've got a coach in Frank Vogel that's like career achievement is beating the like the the Carmelo Anthony Chauncey Billups 2012 New York Knicks like that's his best his best playoff series win. I mean that's I'm, my I'm, only other concern. I, I'm, I'm higher on Frank Vogel than some. I think no, I think I think he's better than what like a lot of people are like. This is a terrible decision. I think he is an above average coach. He's in the top ten coaches in the league right now. I I I. I sincerely with that he's only 45 years old he's not like this old haggard guy i think he kind of got it in some rough situations where those pacer teams kind of fell apart really quickly um in kind of weird ways and i don't think that's necessarily his fault um but you know i, th- I mean indianapolis is just a tough market in general yeah. to, to get guys to go to so no, i mean that's that's a, that's a whole thing my my biggest thing with with just getting him as a you know as a head coach was the, the Lakers defense was just so bad last year in so many stretches. And I at least have a little bit of solace in knowing that'll be improved. Um, no, no question. And it's got to be really fun. And, and not to not to steal from this podcast again that I mentioned. It's so fun to think about this fact that we're entering a season with LeBron James. I mean, I don't know the first, I don't know the last time this happened, Chris. I mean, it's been 10 years since LeBron James has been in the finals nine years in a row before this yeah. year. This is the first time in at least 10 years, more than that, because LeBron made the playoffs before that, that LeBron is entering a season being able to say, I took five months off. I took six, six months off. You know, he went from eight, he's going to be able to go from April to October and, and come back in October and say, I'm, I'm here. I'm rested. I've, I am. I have been in the hibernation chamber. I have been uh, working my behind off and, you know, in, in, and I am rested and ready to go. And I'm so excited for that LeBron James. I'm not a Lakers fan. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, LeBron seems like at this point in his career, he's not really one of those guys who who feels like he has much to prepare prove he's very comfortable in his skin uh, especially compared to a lot of the NBA superstars relatively speaking but I do wonder just how much this season has has kind of built uh, uh, that that chip on his shoulder a little bit more because there's not been a many people talking about LeBron James over the last three to I four months agree. and I mean that you know that's that's a very like folksy basketball thing to say about the chip on his shoulder he's an underdog and stuff like that but i i do think it means something you're not that competitive of a personality and you you don't do the things that lebron james has done without you know reading the bad stuff that's been written about you and you need to fuel you um I don't know. I, I think what you said totally plays a role. And I, yeah. I think people just not talking about him. Yeah. My guy's and got the beautiful hairline coming back too. I, <laughs> I saw that, that that's if anything, not being in the playoffs has, has helped that beautiful thing come back. So that's a positive. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I was at one point I was kind of, I sent, I don't know if I sent it to you, but I sent this like screenshot before the draft lottery of like, it was Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Zion, uh, Kevin Knox, and then in the middle, Frank Nilakina. 
And it was just like all Nick's uniforms and just like <laughs> the future. And then like since then, like four of those things have gone terribly. But um, I, 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 I just what's, mentioned what, that just to say. What's next for the Knicks? Like, I just, it, I just mentioned that just to say I'm okay. I'm, I just mentioned that to say I'm okay with the Knicks not – not mortgaging the farm for for him and um if we're the 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 dream situation for the knicks now is draft rj barrett uh sign kevin durant i think they're still going to try and sign him to the max to say you know come rest in new york for a year we'll get the best doctors on this we'll do whatever we can come back in 20 this is terrible i'm already making excuses come back in 2020 we'll have some cap space we'll have all the young guys we'll be a year more in and let's win an nba title then yeah but i mean it seems like Kyrie isn't happening it seems like kemba either gonna stay i don't think you want Kyrie. i don't think i want Kyrie anymore i don't think i want Kyrie anymore the way it's kind of worked out with boston and and brooklyn it's been really weird um (laughs) i um i don't want uh it it seems like kemba's either gonna stay in charlotte where he'll make a, a ton more money or he'll go to la he says he's willing to take a pay cut um I, I don't I don't know. I don't really. I don't know. He He's an he's a New York guy, though. He's kind of like a wild card. Like I, and I'm only saying that because of the Big East tournament performances. <laughs> but Kemba's a New York guy, like weirdly. And yeah. uh, so maybe that's a thing. But I, I, I don't see them spending all the money and, and maybe making a few smart signings. That'd be really cool. Um, but, yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll be okay being another uh, getting another lottery pick, maybe just trying to draft smartly next year, next year's draft. I think a lot of people kind of stayed in the drafts this year. So speaking of speaking of the Boston Celtics is is, <laughs> is, is, is Tyler Harrell getting drafted by the Boston Celtics. Just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. I will. I literally sent the the screenshot of today's ESPN mock draft that basically said this is locked in like <laughs> the arrows going to Boston and my friends and I made like four different basketball uh, of Caucasian descent jokes like uh, yeah. he's a fan favorite um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he put, he got to love that he doesn't make it about him uh, he plays the game the right way he does the little things that don't show up in the box score like jokes jokes I'm, like that <laughs> I'm looking for, I'm looking for him and Tom Brady to have some type of interaction in the next two years <laughs> that is probably them on the side of a court maybe at a Brawson Bruins game or maybe it's him and Gronk I don't know if it'll go to that level Level, but I, I definitely think that man. I don't know. I think Gronk's going to be like fully a, like a South Florida guy. Now. Well, the, the whole conspiracy <laughs> thing is with him is that he's going to come back in the middle of the playoffs yeah. to, to, to save the Patriots, which is a hilarious thing. But yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. You got Ty Jerome, maybe going to the Golden State Warriors would also be lovely. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely here for it. I, I do want to talk a little bit about Carrie Blackshear, please. Um, we can spend you know one or two minutes on this, but my whole thing is like, so uh, this this whole like Carrie Blackshear recruitment from from what I followed has been really weird. There's not been a lot of conversation about it. I haven't really seen much information about it. You know, he takes a visit to Florida. He takes a visit to Arkansas. And I, I don't know that he's taken a visit to Texas A&M yet, but he's trying to get one. Or Buzz Williams is trying to get one. But the the report comes out that it's between Kentucky, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. And I'm just like, yo, like it, it doesn't seem like 
anybody is really holding John Calipari's feet to the fire on this one. But if he he loses a guy like Kerry Blackshear to a Texas A&M who I, I know Buzz Williams is still there. Uh, I, I know he's there, the former coach of Kerry Blackshear, but they're a fringe NCAA tournament team. Um, if he loses, loses Kerry Blackshear to them or, you know, a Tennessee team who lost everybody who is maybe a, a, a fringe second weekend team. I just, I, I don't for the life of me, how understand how, how Calipari couldn't get killed over this, because this just seems like a situation where, not only should he land this guy, he's got to land this guy. Like, like they need him first of all. I, I mean, that that oh, yeah, I, I has, think a, has a lot of lot of question marks with DJ Montgomery and Nick Richards and you know Nate Tessina, who who knows about him. But I don't know, man. It just seems like they're setting up that this narrative is being set up to where. You know, if they miss on him, it's okay. And if they get him, then it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm just not sure I really understand that. And that's really it. That that that's all. I'm really no, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I, I'm I'm. We're Louisville fans, so this this comes off like not in the best way. No, no matter how but, we say, but, it, no matter how I, I say, but I'm coming. Say. I'm coming at you as a college basketball fan. I, I can't understand, like you know, missing on this guy and it just being okay. No, I'm right there with you, but I think in general, I I, I don't think kind of it, when we're talking about Kentucky in this next season, I don't see how Kentucky is a top three team when we're relying on their fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh best players from last season to carry the team this coming year. And they don't have admittedly every draft, you know, you know, recruit Nick person says they don't have the game breaker freshman this season. They don't have the guy who's a hundred percent, you know, Maxi is probably the closest guy. Um, Tyrese Maxey, their combo guard that they, that, you know, a top to, he's the number 10 guy. That's the highest level that, that, um, of, you know, the, the, the highest rank according to 24 seven sports recruit that got, but it seems to me, I mean, of course, it, you know, anything can happen, you know, you know, Trey, Trey young was not a, a top 10 recruiter or whatever, you know, you can give me a hundred different you know responses, but the initial thought process is that Kentucky does not have a guy coming into this season fr- freshman wise. That is the game breaker that they traditionally are used to. And then you're telling me to assume that their fourth through seventh best guys are going to slide into that starting five. <laughs> And yeah. be a top five team instantly. So the answer to your question is yes. This is a must get for John Calipari. And mostly you know, because the five position is there isn't a five there. I really don't believe. Like yeah, Nate Sestina. Shout out to where did he come from? What, Belmont. What, Bucknell. Like Buck, Bucknell. Yeah, Bucknell. That's what it was. Okay. Shout out to the shout out to the <laughs> Bison. <laughs> you know, but. I, I, I don't I don't I don't know I I, I don't I don't get it I don't I mean this could be, this I just could wanted be to kind mute. of take that opportunity to say that go ahead I mean this could be mute Cal could work his magic the, the visit is going to happen um, your boy Jack Pilgrim of, of KSR said there's heavy mutual interest uh, between the two schools which I I never really understood that when I saw it because obviously if he's visiting the school there's heavy mutual interest. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so, I mean, I think that kind of goes without saying, but I don't know. It, it, it seems to me if you're going to be relying on EJ Montgomery, who I saw enough of last season to be like, 
Don't know about that one, Chief. If I, you're mean, relying, I think Nick Richards may make some type of jump, but if, if you're relying on both yeah. of those guys, like, considerably... I mean, listen, am I like, am I supposed to be scared of Nate Sestina, who is 17th in the uh, in the American or the Patriot League conference in offensive rating? Like, I'm supposed to be scared of that guy. <laughs> like, come on. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's I'm, it, I'm sure he's going to drop 30 on, on Louisville now, but <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. It's a big one. Though. Um, and it's one to watch. And I'm I'm really curious of, you know, how Kentucky fans take this one and if they continue to kind of get these L's down the road when they're going to, you know, like you said, however we say it, it's going to be coming at Louisville fans. But I, I'm saying it generally as a college basketball fan, there has been a, a, a shift definitely um, in, in recruiting and, you know, Cal's lore of our college basketball and recruiting. And I'm curious when, when it's really going to kind of start to annoy Kentucky fans to the level that, you know, Patino annoyed Louisville fans yeah. while I was here. And there was a, there was enough times that people had had enough of him. Um, and, and I do wonder um, if we see that with Kerry Blackshear, you know, him going to another school, if that would just be kind of another log on yeah. the fire that, that. I may, yeah. Yeah. I may have missed you mentioned it, but it seems like Florida is also a real option for him and they're not, I mean, they're going to be a top 25 team next year. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Florida from what I've heard um, on some reports has been eliminated. It, but you know oh, okay. his his whole his whole recruitment has kind of been a mystery. It seems like his, his dad is taking a really big role in it, which is really weird. That's, for a, that's always great. You always graduate transfer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you always uh, love to hear the dad involved. But yeah. let's move on. We can talk yeah. about that for forever. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's- talk about something else yes we wanted to talk chris you know we mentioned that the nba finals are over the uh the toronto raptors defeated the golden state warriors in six games and we we had this conversation sort of a little bit on twitter chris and we wanted to talk about it now because we sort of have this similar vibe where you know Oak, oracle arena where the warriors played you know, was the were games uh what there, it was games two or three four and were held and um, I, I, oh, the Oracle arena that we've kind of seen in the past five years as the Warriors have, have grown in popularity has changed. And of course the Warriors are moving across the Bay to San Francisco, their arena, this immaculate billion dollar arena is right on the Bay and, and now fully invested by tech bros. Um, and it's almost like gentrification in sports. Yeah. I love that word gentrification. We talk about, I feel like we talk about it every week, but it's you had sort of this take that it sort of reminded you almost of like the difference between Freedom Hall and the Yum, and I wanted to hear about it. No, it's just gonna, I mean, it's kind of like a, a bit of just like out of a left field conversation, but I mean, I, I read this quote from Andre Iguodala. Um, this was uh, some point during the series, I think it was after game four, and, and he was asked mm-hmm. about you know just his best memories at Oracle Arena, and uh, Iggy's Iggy's a real one. I got much love for Iggy because big shout uh, to Iggy. Uh, he he just comes off he just comes off as a real dude. Um, and when he when he was answered asked this question, his response was, "That's a tough one. That's a really good question. First playoff series here was pretty exciting. It was pretty good. We hadn't priced that many people yet, so it was good. And uh, when I hear something like that, we hadn't priced that many people yet. It, it just makes me harken back." to what we have talked about with 
you know, Louisville basketball fans, probably since we've been in the Yum Center and about how you have a bunch of, you know, we want to call them a bunch of odes, but in reality, it's a bunch of, you know, corporate people from different uh, elite factions of Louisville who sit in the lower bowl in Louisville and go to the games for more of a social aspect than to actually go to the basketball games. And, you know, it it made me harken back to to when you look at Oracle and you see all the the techie bros and the guys that have kind of bought up Oakland um, and and gentrified the neighborhoods in the city of Oakland. And there's a lot of similarities there. Um, a, A lot of the things that have happened and, you know, the city of Louisville to a lesser extent, you have certain city blocks like Nulu and certain areas like that that have been bought up. And, you know, I was talking to you before about how in the late 90s, the, the average medium salary in Nulu was $12,000. And now in 2019, it's $124,000, um, which is just <laughs> bananas you know, to think about. <laughs> absolutely bananas to think about. But. I don't know. The the game atmosphere that I think has kind of played itself out in Oracle over the last five years has really been something that's happened in the Yum Center. I mean, people people made jokes about like the whole NIT thing, the atmosphere about how you get the real fans down there. Yeah. And, and the people Which I was going to mention. There, there's, there's some validity to that. No, no matter how many people want to like make fun about that. And I, and, and I get it. Like it, you can joke about it if you want to, but there is validity to that. Oh, there's 100% validity. And I do appreciate, I think Tyre kind of noticed that, you know, uh, and, and he had a few games this season where uh, I think it was like Libscum and a few other games that I, I kind of noticed my mother-in-law season tickets just at the edge of the, of the lower bowl. And it's like, I don't have tickets for this 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 game tonight. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's that about? It's like, oh, they're letting people kind of come down who, you know, who, who have tickets in the upper level. They're like bringing them down to the lower level a few times a season. And this is one of those games. I was like, well, that's I mean, that's a cool idea. But I don't think it was for any of the ACC games. You know, I yeah. think it was for, you know, and Lipscomb ended up being a really good game and it ended up being one of the more important uh, games of the year, I think, for the for for Louisville. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think I don't think it's going to always, you know, they're until they're they're willing to to be braver with that, to make it an ACC game, you know, to make it, you know, a few, you know, maybe one of the bigger, you know, games of the season i don't think you know the the fans are always going to have difficulties and i get i've talked to a ton of fans who i mean their their tickets to freedom hall were way better they were way better and And i i mean talking about attendance and and the yum center atmosphere such a summer you know topic it hurts but i mean it's a legitimate conversation like since since lola has been in the kfc yum center for the better part the atmospheres have been quite trash i mean the the duke game this year may have been one of the better experiences that they've had in that arena since it's opened i don't really know the reason why uh, maybe it was the zion effect maybe it was that everyone in the building knew exactly who zion williamson was and they knew that they wanted to beat him maybe that that's what it took um but i think that's also was it that also was a nine o'clock game if i recall yeah i mean i mean maybe uh, maybe it's small stuff like that got- Louisville fans going to Louisville. They're going to they're going to show up a little liquored up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever it takes. I mean, there, there's, yeah, no question. there's definitely little tweaks you can make. 
and you can continue to make whether it's you know happy hour drink prices yeah. um in, any type of incentives that get people in in the arena and i don't know that that was like the the kind of the scope of my like perspective is it's funny that we do see that play out uh, in in the arena of sports um because that's that's definitely been the thing that's that's happened in Oracle. I mean, it's it's quite obvious if you go back to some of their previous like past series and you, and you go back to the atmosphere now that those fans look and sound a whole lot different than they did oh, a few years ago. So so different, so so different, and to the detriment. And you know, we you and I we've we've had our tiffs about Golden State. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't like Golden State anymore. Yeah, is 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 I, I think. You know, they were Oakland. They were E40 was was, you know, was their guy was their main guy on on the court side. And that's just not the identity of who they are anymore. No, it's and not. that's especially when they open up this new arena that's going to be beautiful and gorgeous and state of the art and all this bullshit. And it's. I mean, that's for the people who built the team. It's not for the the people who were there through the tough times. And that sucks. I, I, that no, no matter how you kind of, they're selling out even more. I I, I don't really know who you rectify that because that's just a function of capitalism, but I mean, it sucks. (laughs) It sucks though, but yeah, it is what it is. It's, 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 you know, it's making money. It's capitalism's business, but we could talk about, yeah, they talk about it all day, but we wanted to touch on it. Uh, Chris, onto something uh, a little, you know, a little more local and sort of, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't know how to kind of breach this. I have to crack open a beer for this one. You have to crack (laughs) open. Just wait for a second for this. Okay, we're good. No, no, no. It's, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the, the hot streak for the football recruiting. You know, I think uh, they were, were recording this. It's like just after 1030 uh, on on Monday night, another recruit just came in for the team, an offensive guard named Luke Kandra, uh, a three star recruit on on 24 seven sports. And it's what, like their 12th or 15th recruit in the I mean, past. Geez, it seems like a hundred. <laughs> it might as well be. But yeah. it's an impressive it's a prolific to, I think the right word is prolific in terms of qu- quantity amount. My concern, and I'm not, I, I, I said this on Twitter, my concern, and I'm not a, a, a football recruiting like expert. I'm not a beatnik. I'm not looking at the, I'm not looking at a guy's an offensive guards tape and seeing how many pancakes he had <laughs> against uh, against his rival high school across the street. You know, I'm not looking at that. So, you know, I could be 100 percent mistaken on this stuff, but my understanding of football recruiting. Is to take a look at the offer sheets of said recruits and get an idea. You can get a better idea of where they're coming from. So I'm just going to read off this guy, Luke Kandra's offer sheet. He committed to Louisville. His other offers are from Indiana, Ball State, Boston College, Bowling Green, Buffalo, Cincinnati. This was a good one. Purdue and Toledo. 
It sounds pretty similar to the offer sheets of uh, of most guys. Like, yeah, this, 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 this will be a great part, uh, you know, for purposes of the podcast, if I would just battle the hell out of you right now. But you know I'm not going to because we align on this. So we joked about, I'm forgetting his name, the, the guy who, who is trying to cause trouble uh, on Twitter, the UK. Justin Rowland. Justin Rowland, who was basically saying the same thing as I'm saying, but he's saying it in a harsher way that I, I, I am, I completely can understand Louisville fans, Louisville coaches wanting to be excited. They're building a foundation here. But my question to you, Chris, is it okay that I'm not excited for this? I'm I'm looking at these recruits and I'm not really, I'm not like, Oh, that guy's going to make me, you know, get more excited for the game against, uh, against Virginia or Virginia, I think they're playing, you know, G- Georgia Tech this season, you know, or or North Carolina or NC State. I'm, I'm not more excited for those games because of these three star guys like the, it's it's not it doesn't really it doesn't really light my fire when it comes to excitement here. I will respond to you in just a second, but I did go to Justin Rowland's Twitter timeline <laughs> and, and I did see that he responded to a Jody Dimlin tweet with a George Orwell quote oh, no. of, of the, the party <laughs> told you were dejected the evidence of your eyes and ears. And I, that, that may be the widest thing we see <laughs> in, in quite some time. And I just feel like that needs to be said because I am definitely here for, for from Justin Rowland and, and Jody Dimlin B. Now, to your question, um, as far as it relates to, to the guys that got committed, they have, I mean, I, I guess in some capacity, they have shored up the offensive line, which is great. I mean, I mean, that's exciting to see. But I kind of put it out on Twitter today is if you want, if you don't want to look at offer sheets, I, I think the best way to kind of evaluate the way that 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 Satterfield is recruiting is to look at the guys who were hired at the same time that he was hired. Um, and those two guys right now in the conference are Mac Brown at North Carolina and Jeff Collins at Georgia tech. And, and both of those schools have, have higher recruiting classes than Louisville. And that's, that's one place that you can start at. And, you know, both of those schools have, are getting four-star talent. I argued with the, with some U of L fans earlier today about kind of the lore of Mac Brown. And, and some of them still seem to think that because Mac Brown had a national championship in 2005, that that somehow it means something to recruits today. And I, I was there to argue that it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really I don't think shit, necess- shit yeah. to, to, to 16 year olds right now. I don't think it necessarily means anything to 16 year olds. I do think it means something to their call to their high school coaches though. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, and that's half the battle. That, that, I, think. I mean, that's a fair that's point. I just feel like that's I, I my know. only retort to that. I mean, I agree with you. I 100 percent agree with you. It does seem like Mac kind of Mac in 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 North Carolina sort of has a little bit of a recruiting dream team. Yeah, uh, and then they talk about like like Georgia Tech has this rich recruiting base. Like. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know really what you're talking about. Yeah, you're recruiting to Georgia, you're recruiting to inner city kids in Atlanta, and that's that's a rich base. But I mean, there's there's plenty of schools that have had resources to tap into that, that don't do it. 
Um, so I don't necessarily means that that you're going to be successful. And I don't know that that's immediately what I kind of thought of. I, am I excited to have the the 20th recruiting class in America? Um, I mean, it, it's kind of a little bit skewed. Um, I, I would say it's pretty significantly skewed, but it's good. Um, no, it does. listen, we, we're 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 starting for, from and that's what and I sort of had some pushback when I initially tweeted about it and it was like, well, you're not really excited for something that a two win team is, is doing. No, no, no. I'm excited. The floor is the floor. Right. But let's I, I just I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, quite just, I'm just, not quite at the level that some of the reaction has been. And I understand why the reaction has to be that way. They are creating a culture that they want to develop this foundation that's going to build, be built upon. And, and listen, you know, Satterfield has done great with, with identifying talent. And one thing we were going to talk a little bit about Vince Tyree, I think later. And one thing that Vince Tyree mentioned in his interview today with Bobby V on the V show was that the, the town, the, the, the coaching and the scouting system here in place in Louisville this year is a system that they intend to be there for a couple of years at least. So these are guys that are literally wanting to recruit this first class to be a foundation to be built upon. So I get that. I I get And that's exciting. But sell me on that. Don't sell me that. Don't don't send me the 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 Elmo GIF on fire like we're signing four and five recruits all recruits like someone grabbing eggs and, and bread out of a Kroger shelf in a snowstorm. It's, it's not the same thing to me. I think that's my frustration is that I, and I think for fans, I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea that, and, and, and I, I don't know, it's, it's hard because I, I'm not, no, I'm not mean, blaming anybody, but I just, I do think that it's okay. I, I want people to understand it's okay to not be like, Oh wow, this is, you know, these are three stars. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's okay to not celebrate every recruit that comes in. Like he's the greatest thing that's ever going to step foot on campus. Yes. Like, and that's, that's like the, the, the kind of the, the, the problem that we're going to have with this season is like, you know, three years ago, Louisville was in the thick of the college football playoff conversation. And that's the biggest difference between like uh, basketball and football. And there should be a significant difference is that for football, it's always felt like the bar is always subject to change. You can put the bar here. You can put the bar there. You can put the bar anywhere you want. And you can make that argument if it wants to, if it fits your expectations of what you expect of the program, you can set it anywhere. For basketball, it's always been in the same place, elite for, for, you know, for the most part. And, you know, of course. It, it should significantly be different. They are different. They are different programs and they should be treated differently. But I'm also not going to pretend like just because Louisville had one two win season, it doesn't mean like the status quo should always be accepted. Hey, this guy had one, you know, he had one offer from Rutgers. <laughs> and, and that makes him a legitimate recruit. And that means that he should be welcomed to campus with open arms and he should be treated like, you know, the greatest player to ever step foot on campus. That is not the level of, of guys that you want to see in the ACC. And that's not the guys that you should be excited about getting. It is a start. It is a foundation. It is nothing more than that. And you shouldn't treat it as such. No, it makes it, I completely agree with you. And, and it's hard because I think there's a lot of little fans that are looking for anything to be excited about with this football program. And I get that. I completely get it. And I think there are some of us that are still kind of 
and I count myself in this, that's just like, all right, well, let's see what happens on the field. You know, let's. Yeah, let's- I mean, that, and that's that's a whole nother thing is you have these guys here, but getting these guys to sign and commit, you know, when you're getting beat by Notre Dame 52 to 14 is a, is a lot more difficult than getting them to sign or getting them to commit in the summer. So, I mean, yeah. And no, and I think, and, and it's, and I've had some people privately tell me, uh, I think that, you know, some of these guys are going to show up and be four stars when, when they show up on campus. And that's, uh, that's completely valid. That completely makes sense. I'm right there. That's, that's something that happens a lot. And given, I think given the track record of, um, of Satterfield and some of the guys who are on his staff, I would not be shocked in the slightest if some of these threes become fours. But at this moment, forgive me for not being excited for dudes whose best other offers are Indiana, Boston College and Cincinnati. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to I'm not going to be excited about that. I'm not I'm not I'm not like lining up at the store to go get my jersey because of that. That's just it, not. It, it still feels like there, there, there just need, needs to be a, a face of this recruiting class. And, a, a, until that moment, I mean, there, there's been Desmond Till who, who who spoke a lot about kind of the momentum that that Scott Satterfield was bringing, and it, it seemed to you know speak to a lot of guys. And after he was very, I don't remember the quotes exactly, but he he made some very pointed quotes about getting people on board and after some of those quotes surfaced it did seem like a, a few guys did get on board but they, yeah. they they still need that that skill set position guy whether it's a wide receiver you know quarterback running back that guy that that star of the class who i mean for for charlie strong it was teddy bridgewater for bobby petrino in some sense it was it was lamar um though i'm not sure that yeah. was ever really fully taken advantage of I mean, yeah. you, you still need that guy and you usually look to quarterback and under the quarterback they got t webb who you know his offer sheet is is kansas is kansas state is georgia tech but he had he has an offer also from miami had an offer from syracuse yeah. good another good program he was getting interest from south carolina wisconsin you know he had recruiters from those schools maybe there's an offer to come from one of those schools he looks like a he looks like he this guy looks like a prime four-star quarterback like yeah. he, he might, he'll have a senior season and he'll be upgraded, uploaded, uh, upgraded to four star. Like that makes sense to me. So maybe but I completely agree with you. There's gotta be a guy in here that I like, like this is the mold of what the next five years of Louisville football looks like. Not what 2020 looks like because 2020, I understand is going to be the foundation, but there's gotta be a few, not quite blue chippers, but guys that are close to that talent wise, it just yeah. for me and and maybe there isn't. And the staff does great. And, and this in this class ends up being foundational. And we talk about in five years and people laugh at me because, oh, you you doubted the 2020 class. And, and that's fine. But but right now, unfortunately, we live in this world where the stars matter and it's not there right now. My, my God, T-Web. Shout out he, to there was a show on MTV in 2006. Are you about two, to mention two a days? <laughs> I'm about to mention two a days. My guy, T Webb, 
Looks like he played on Hoover High School and <laughs> was, was in two a days. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that T Webb is from somewhere in Alabama. I know it's not Hoover. No, it's Carterville's Georgia. It's Carterville's okay, Georgia. Okay, but he took close, over for uh, not much of a difference there. He took over for Jake Fromm, I think. He's Holy shit, Jeremy Pruitt was in the show too. That's incredible. Well, he was? You didn't know that? He he was the coach of Hoover. Yes, he oh. was. Wow. Well, come on, man. You didn't know that? I mean, I, I did know that, but I never really connected <laughs> the dots until now. That's that's special, man. Shout MTV out to my guy, defensive end, repeat Smith, number 91. <laughs> Darwin <Yeah>. repeat Smith. <laughs> yeah, man. Jeremy Pruitt was a defensive coordinator. I, 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 I learned that like as soon as he got hired. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that that was a show, man. We, we, so that, that that may have been the only show that so it debuted on MTV and then repeat episodes were shown on CMT. I'm not sure if any ever show ever did that. That's a pretty impressive one-two punch. I mean, uh, that, that it makes sense. Let's yeah. it's just yeah. it, it, it definitely does make sense. I never thought we'd have a two-a-day mention on the podcast, but here we are. Uh, the, <laughs> another another one last two-a-day note. I remember my freshman year at U of L, the 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 uh, soccer team made the College Cup, the men's soccer team, yeah. and the championships, the the NCAA men's soccer championship that season were held at Hoover High on the Hoover High football field. Oh goodness. <laughs> I need to make a trip to Hoover High School now. Oh man, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's enough about that. Uh, so yeah, everyone, feel free to tweet at Gabe Diverge when you're mad about the fact that I am uh, not super excited about the uh, football recruits. My bad. I mean, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see, man. Um, I'm excited about football. I just don't want people to think that. I think you can like like there's Justin Rowland who's obviously just trolling. I'm in between that and like ex- the average excited. Like I'm more than just average excited. I just don't. I'm I just sorry. don't want I'm people not- to like put this put this feeling in their head that we're gonna it's gonna translate to to somehow this season. You know, I mean, Puma Pass can still barely hit the broadside of a bar, and maybe he's improved. Maybe he's gonna be better. But I mean, this team is still very bad at football. That's I mean that's uh, the other it, thing, man. It seems like Puma Pass is is the quarterback. You, we could, yeah, I mean, that, it's that, kind of the vibe we're getting. It seems like which is. I'm, I'm excited to see like a Bobby Puma pass. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm very excited for that too, but doesn't it seem like you have to find a way to get Malik Cunningham on the, on the football field while we're at, I mean, while we're here, just like in some capacity. Yeah, sure. I, I don't disagree. There's a lot, there's a lot to work out. That's, that's our point. I think. Yeah. There is a lot left to work out on various fronts. So I just, I'm not, I'm not I'm not going in thinking this. I mean, the first Bobby class was great. I mean, the first Charlie class is great. And and this one may prove to be great in, in, in its own way. But I think right now, just I think the it's prolific in quality, not quite. Or quantity, not quite quality. I love how we're going to move on from talking Bobby Petrino to NCAA violations. It's just a perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect move. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, I mean, last week we were going to we, we didn't get a chance to record last week. I was out of town in Chicago. We tried. I, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this while I'm out on business. But we wanted to talk about the news, the original story that came out on CBS Sports. Um 
last week on the on the 12th was that uh, this dude, the VP of uh, regulatory affairs to the NCAA, Stan Wilcox, who my understanding used to be the AD at Florida State. Said a quote from the article, the uh, the Dennis Dodd article, uh, two high profile programs will receive early early notifications of allegations by early July. Uh, a remaining four will be rolled out later in the summer in what was described as a wave of NCAA investigations meant to clean up major college basketball. Seems like this is all stemming from the FBI investigations, Chris. Um, I, kind of, I think everyone kind of responded to this and kind of had their, oh, is Louisville one of these six programs? What means, what does uh, <clears throat> what does major college program mean in this situation? But then sort of something happened today with Vince Tyree. We mentioned it earlier. He went on the Bobby V show. We sort of kind of said that Louisville wasn't going to be involved in this. I mean, yeah, he, he more, <laughs> more or less said this like Vince Tyra comes out and, and he says a few different things. He says that he talked directly to Stan Wilcox, who basically said that that's the media taking something and run with it. So, I mean, the, the first question I have for Stan Wilcox is like, bro, you're the one talking to the media. Nobody forced you to come out and make those comments. So that's you taking it and making a story, first of all. Secondly, like he talks about how – well, I mean if you're talking about how, how Tyra just basically said that – that I mean he, he did kind of just like dis, dismiss the story. Um, yeah, he did. I, I mean as far as it relates to Stan Wilcox, he also talked about how like I would hate to be those first couple of schools, but I just thought it was a weird comment too. So if you're not one of those first – one two schools does that mean you're no you're, you're not going to get the same type of punishment you does that mean that you know sean miller or you know the guy from lsu is will wade is not going to get the same type of punishment just because he wasn't one of the first couple schools that were that were punished that, that was a weird thing for me from the get-go there too yeah and it seemed it well, the one thing tyrus said that i think lends itself to Louisville not being involved is in regards to eligibility. He said it seemed like these first allegations were going to be eligibility involved and Louisville. I mean, uh, I mean, they, they had tugs involved. Um, uh, you know, Bowen, uh, Brian Bowen. Tugs. Um, Tugs. I don't know why tugs was the first thing I remembered, Um, but he never played a game for Louisville. So, LSU had guys play games. Arizona had guys play games. Kansas is iffy. I I don't quite know. I mean, it's I mean, Phil or uh, Silvio D'Souza got, um, you know, he got cleared by the NCAA, so I guess he is eligible now. But I don't know. I, I don't know what was involved there, and, and no one really knows. So. I guess you can conceivably say if these first allegations are strictly based on eligibility, that Louisville never really did anything eligibility related. If I was taking a guess, if I was just taking which a, is let's be clear, is the worst possible things to do when we're talking about the NCAA because I mean, God knows what they're going to do. And that, but that's all anybody's got to do at this point. I mean, <laughs> truthfully speaking, if you're going to sit there and predict what what the NCAA do is going to do, and that's like sitting and predicting what Trump's going to tweet in the morning. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it's just not not 
going to happen. Like you're not going to be able to successfully do it. But if I was going to, you know, predict, I would say that the first couple of schools you would want to go after would be Arizona would have the dart on them for me. Yeah. Um, Arizona and then behind that would be either Kansas or LSU. I wouldn't think that Louisville maybe would Auburn, I think. Auburn. Yeah, uh, maybe Auburn at some point. Yeah, I love how they've just kind of like shot away from the, the limelight, even though your boy Bruce Pearl hasn't talked to, to anyone, even, <laughs> even the school. It's just absolutely beautiful. It, it, Auburn it, is just like, we're crazy. hanging this banner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, apparently they don't they don't give a damn. Um, but I don't know, man. Um <laughs> I, my whole thing is like going forward. This is kind of like a bigger picture thing, but I, I'm curious of how the public perception of, of Louisville will be viewed if they do get hammered again, or if the NCAA threatens to hammer them, if, if people from, you know, cause at the very beginning, obviously Louisville was kind of the poster child of the whole thing. Of course. Um, and, and the media kind of followed everyone and they were, you know, with their, with their with their stakes and then they were ready to bury Louisville in the ground. But now that Louisville's really been the most proactive of any program, I think if the NCA were to hammer the game, were to hammer them again or to threaten to hammer the game, I'd be curious how the national media would react. I mean, I don't think it'd be well. I don't think it'd be well because I, we're we're now officially at a point now that that I think everyone is left. Um not a single person in the literally not a single person in the basketball program is or in the athletic department is related to what's happened. Yeah, I, I got a little choked up there for a second. But I, what, what I was going to say is like I, I kind of feel like the the public persona and the public side would be on Louisville's side this time. Yeah. And I, I mean, that may not mean a lot. Um but I, I do think it means a little bit that you look at it from the perspective of literally everyone is going to sit there and say that, you know, Louisville did everything they could do. They fired everyone. They were the most proactive. Why in the world would you go after them? What are you what are you saying? What are you teaching? And I, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It, it, it's tough because you can't be logical in this situation. Just like you said, we can talk to the, to the cows come home about how, you know, everyone in the athletic department wasn't there when this stuff went on. But it may not even matter because yeah, the NCAA has never been logical and in, in, in any way they reacted. So, I mean. It's a tough thing for me to talk about. Um, but again, no, but I, I think no, I think honestly, the most interesting thing, and we talked a little bit about about this before we started recording. It's the fact that this dude, Stan Wilcox, like said something like that's what really is, what, is un- the play, what is the play there, though? There's there's got to be something that I just don't feel like he just acted out of his own and was just going to be like, Hey, I'm just going to go talk to the media. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm rolling through the, the CBS, you know, article. I, I read it before, but just like, there's not an explicit quote of him saying these things are coming, but he said, there's another group of K the first quote in the article. That's a direct quote from Wilcox says there's even another group of cases. We're still working on Wilcox said, the main thing is that we're up and ready. We're moving forward and you'll see consequences. The next one will say, I just would say that it's clear when you look at the number of cases that were listed by the Southern district of New York, like parentheses from this, none of which directly involved Louisville. None of these cases that were brought to trial 
directly involved Louisville people. Okay, back in his quote. Those numbers are more than likely, those numbers will more than likely be reflected in the number of cases that are going to move forward, said Wilcox, a former Florida State athletic director and Notre Dame basketball player. I mean, I, mean, I just, I don't yeah. know. I feel like that you don't have Rick Bettino on the stand. You don't really have any local figures really talking about anything. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that plays a role too. I did find yeah. it funny that the little, the, the Zion Williamson mention was at the very end of the article that just felt like a very odd question to ask him at the end, but they did say that that wasn't going to be admissible um, in the NCAA's investigation because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't directly on a wiretap, which is just kind of funny. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, yeah. I think we can all agree that that kind of whatever happens going forward, that you that Louisville is going to fight this tooth and nail. It um, seems to be the case. It it does seem to be the case. And, and sort of the vibe that we get and, and Tyra sort of mentioned today, it, it they're not going to it doesn't seem like they're going to roll over. Yeah, I mean, because Bobby that, v didn't explicitly ask, but the way sort of that he that Tyre sort of responded to some questions like I'm learning everything I can about the NCAA and their procedures, not necessarily. He never said anything about cooperating. He, he didn't say the word cooperating once. He said, I asked Dan Wilcox, what's up with this? What did I miss? And then that was it. not not from the second, the first level of uh, of, um, of hooker related news happened, Louisville was like rolling over, you know, on their back. Oh, we'll help however we can. This has been the opposite. I don't think they've fully gone. We're going to go scorched earth on this, but it definitely has been dragging, you know, dragging behind. But like we're waiting this one out before we pretend like we're going to help out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the the most damning thing on Louisville was the, the Jordan Fair wiretap saying that, you know, <laughs> we're on probation. We got to be extremely careful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, even that's what does send. That's yeah, it, it's that or, or it's Kenny Johnson. It's it's both of those two things. But even a quote like that is very. It can mean a lot of different things, you know. I mean, it, we we know what it meant, but I mean, it's still there's a lot of like gray area there. We're we're on probation. We got to be careful with what. I mean, it, there's still not direct, you know, kind of proof there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we, like you said, we could talk about this since the cows come home. It's it's, it's not going to make a it's, difference. It, it's one of those subjects for me personally that is hard to talk about it's, because I, I I just don't think you have enough information in front of you to really react. Yeah, and well, I, we have to talk about I, it. We we do <laughs> we we do, and then we we'd be remiss if we didn't. It's just treating the NCA rational in any way is I just I think it's not very smart because. It's, yeah. <laughs> It's something that's hard to do. Well, we'll see, Chris. We have uh, they're saying the beginning of July. So the first things, uh, the first yeah. um, infractions will come out. So we'll see if if those really do. I, I gun to my head. I really do believe that Arizona, LSU, Auburn get something before Louisville does. Yeah, I, I just I think yeah, the coaches who, the coaches who were charged with crimes. I think their schools are going to be you go first because it seems like that's where the evidence is most concrete. 
and and the other coaches who will, you know, and the other schools that were mentioned, you know, Louisville being one of them, will will have their day. Um, but it, it seems like those are the most concrete. But you're right. Let's let's move forward. Um, do we want to talk about this pool? Yeah, we can talk about it. Let's, yeah. So I think I think people in Louisville um, sort of realize we've talked a little bit about the budget situation in Louisville. Um, and and there's a huge budget shortfall is, is the word I'm looking for here. A huge budget shortfall um, in, in the city's budget, which has led to the fact that Louisville will not open the four public swimming pools in the area, um, including the only public pool in the predominantly black West End. Um, but I think kind of in general, when, when we do a census of people who are, are using the public pools, they tend to be poor. Um, they tend to be from black neighborhoods. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a it's an activity that I I, that a lot of young people like to participate in when it's super hot they like to swim so um, we're seeing this issue where four public pools are not being open and this is kind of in generally we wanted to talk about this Chris because like I don't know what what is your experience I kind of was lucky enough to be in situations when I I was a young person that I didn't go to public pools yeah Um, but I did know a lot of people who did and I I did I lived I lived pretty close to the Mary T. Maher Center um, in Crescent Hill so I I saw a lot of people and and you know and yeah I went on some trips with some people there and and it it definitely was a different crowd than than Lakeside (laughs) that's for Uh, sure yeah I mean for, (laughs) for, for me personally you know for kind my my summer adventures was relying on a public pool and and then being open to to kind of have that experience so i that's something i can totally relate with and i guess kind of the op-ed that we're referring to was was written by quintez brown um yeah kind of kind of a younger guy who kind of talked about the health risk of just in general of of african-americans being able to swim um, and how something like closing them um, in those predominantly African-American areas, you know, make that even more of a of a public health problem. And I would hate to say it because it just makes me sound so tone deaf. But honestly, and 100 percent truthfully, that's something I've never even really thought about. Well, of course. Man. I, I, I mean, I mean to, to, to keep it 100 with you until until I read this, um, it, it was definitely something that I never really, really thought about. And I mean, the, the guy makes a lot of good points. Um, just kind of at the end of the article, just really just <laughs> goes out with a bang. And, and when he says, but there always seems to be lack of money when it comes to providing resources for poor people of color, unless you need to imprison them. But that's another conversation. Um, and, and I don't know. It, 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 we, wanted, we wanted to mention this because, you know, the, the, the pool thing in Louisville seems very small uh, to, I think, a lot of people that have access to, you know, Right. Country clubs and things of that nature. But to a lot of people, it's a really freaking big deal, man. It is. It is. And, you know, shout out to to Quintez Brown, who uh, DuPont Manual alum. That's what high school he went to. Uh, <laughs> just, just, to just to harken back to that. But no, for, for real, it's. It's it, there's there's such a long history not to not to get not to get real like deep on this, but there's such a long history um, between African-American communities and pools. You, you know, there's been incidents in the past few years of, uh, um, you know, 
police officers and, and, and pools and, and young African-American people. And it's such a thing that has always been like a public pool is a place where everyone kind of meets involuntarily. Everyone comes to do the same thing, enjoy themselves, recreate and, you know, have some recreational time and cool off in a, in a summer day. And it, it, it involuntarily creates confrontations. And when we, it, it, you know, closing public pools doesn't affect the people who can go to Lakeside, doesn't affect the people who can, um, who can go, who have private pools. And, and those people always tend to be, um, you know, those, they tend to be rich. They tend to be white. That's just the reality of it. I was yeah. lucky enough being, you know, I'm a Hispanic person, but I was lucky enough to have a best friend who had his own pool to have a best friend who lived really close to Lakeside. So I could go to Lakeside all the time, but I will never forget. I, I literally can never forget. And, and the second I read the story, I thought, um, I, I remember my mom was taking me home from something one day, one summer, and there were some kids on the side saying, we didn't have enough money to get into Mary T. Do you have a few <laughs> dollars you can spare? And yeah. my mom's like, of course, you know, it's a hot, it's a hot ass day. It's in the middle of the summer, of course. And just to think about the kids who did scrounge up enough money to make it in, not being able to do that. And, um, and that being kind of the lowest level of, there's just a lot of people who, who didn't think about that, you know, not to, not to, yeah. you, you know, you mentioned Chris, you mentioned Chris that you didn't, you don't think about that, but I think there are a lot of people who spend their whole lives not thinking about that. And when they worry about the fact they literally um, care about other ridiculous things that, that don't matter, maybe in the budget or, or, or trying to get their friends to have jobs in other departments or other things. Yeah. I mean, the Metro budget isn't, uh, there's a variety of reasons. This isn't the, this, the, the pools aren't the reason why they're the budgets, the way it is. This is a drop and in the pan. It, it's just another drop in the pan, but it's kind of one of those things that, that really struck home. I think for us, both of us and just like thinking, yeah, of, I mean, like I, you talked about me not even thinking about it, and and I'm one of those guys who relied on public pools, and this yeah. is something, that, and even in that capacity, I still didn't think about it. And you know, sometimes on this podcast, we're going to talk about things that we may not really have like the strongest opinions on or, or ways to fix them, but but they're things we mention because we feel they are important. important. And I think this is just one of those things that it, it is just worth putting out there. And I mean, he the the parallel that he kind of struck when he talked talked about kids at the suburban schools where many West End students are bus or swimming in neighborhood pools, private clubs, summer camps and lakes, wherever they like. That just I mean, that just struck a chord with me. Um, And and that's I I, I think that's simple enough to say. I'm not going to sit here and like pontificate on on these type of things, because I think that's the worst, worst thing that a guy that that, that a white guy in my position can do is sit here and present all these ways to fix it and stuff like that. I I think the, the whole deal is for me just to mention it. Um, and, and say that, that I view it as important. I think we view it as important. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, listen, there's, we can have a discussion about what people want from cities. Um, you know, what, do, what do they need from their city? What do, you know, what is, what is the city 
what does a good city provide to its citizens? And, and I think, I don't know, I think, I think something like this, that's a public good and, and, and helpful. And, you know, we pay for city parks and pay for things. And I think that this definitely goes along with that. And uh, it's a bummer. It's, it's a super bummer, especially when you think about all the other problems and listen, shout out, you know, I want to you know make the point to shout out the fact that there, there is going to be some opportunities for people to swim, you know, um, Louisville's own Javon Brown uh, put up a lot of money along with uh, the Papa John's organization charity. I'm not quite sure if it's I think it's Papa John's Incorporated's charities, not like John Schneider's charity. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're correct on that. Um, that are, you know, making sure that there's some opportunity for um, for young people to go swim several times. Um, in this year, um, in this summer, but it's not the same. It's not the same as the, as four pools being open every day. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that, those are the type of things that he, this community desperately needs is, yeah. is people with means to, to step up and, and make contributions. I mean, we just went through one of the, <laughs> you know, most violent probably weekends of the summer of course um, yeah uh, with with the things that happen over the weekend which is you know just worth passing and mention along um but not that you, the, yeah not that they're related but it's just, no not that, not they're related yeah. at all yeah that's what i'm saying it, it's just worth kind of mentioning in general of course no, i completely agree but we you you need guys like that with means that that are willing to to work towards solutions and not kind of look at the the climate or the politics of a situation and just realize hey there's a problem hey i have some means i can help it hey i love the community and i'm going to do it um so you know <laughs> big kudos to jamal brown for that because that yeah, that no question stepping up and yeah definitely want to i'll put in the show notes the quintess brown uh, opinion yeah, everyone, piece in the journal everyone should read that cuz i think you know i think we're struggling to come up with the answers because it is a difficult question and and we don't have all the answers and um, it's just something to think about and it's something i definitely will be think about uh, in, in hot days of summer luckily we have like two straight weeks of of rain apparently <laughs> it's not going to be super hot yet but i definitely can feel the 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 hot louisville days are coming <laughs> they like they're definitely creeping up there's no question about it i am i am also seeing that there was a matt bevan op-ed in the, in the courier journal oh no which is very interesting to see i did not get to that so we should have man we really failed here we should have just read a few one-liners <laughs> out of line of that but i think it's a little too late but my gosh matt bevan getting an op-ed in the what courier was, journal what was what it? Is it was going about on? father's day it was right about now. father's day yeah uh, the 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 title we're literally just reading this off. The title is "This is the most difficult time in America to be a good father." I'm pretty sure he talks about feminism and like that not being great in here. Um, every generation faces challenges. Perhaps there's been no more difficult time in American history than right now to be a good father. Our cu- culture is awash in confusion caused by shifting messages that at every turn seems to undermine the nuclear family and be critical of its merits. Um, fathers face themselves face unwarranted criticism and pejoratives such as 
quote, toxic masculinity and quote, (laughs) patriarchy. Even without this added pressure, it can be daunting for some men to strike the balance between being true leaders in their household. I'm not going to read that bullshit anymore. This Um, is about, I I did a, when you were talking there, I did a couple, you know, just control F's for a few words. There was no Trump mentions, but there was a few adopt mentions. So I knew we'd get a few of those. Um, And and that, that's pretty much what this is about is, is adoption because and straight up about D-Day as well, the greatest generation. Let's just not forget, Chris, us millennials <laughs> can never live up to the greatest generation ever. Oh, man. <laughs> Shout out to all the millennials out there spending all their money in avocado toast and uh, not, not buying houses. <laughs> some point I'll have to come back to my fire take about D-Day, but I'm just going to say I should turn my mic off. We can't even. Um, um, I think that's all we can talk about. Unless you just want to talk, argue about Steph Curry for the next 80 minutes. No, we'll save it. We have, we'll a, save whole, it we have a whole summer. We have a um, whole summer to argue about Steph Curry. And um, yeah, man. Uh, with that, we'll we'll close out another episode of the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Chris, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, brother. We will get back together now that I am not traveling every single week. We will definitely talk more and pod more. Hope you enjoyed the intro. Hope you enjoyed this. I'm going to put the outro music like here out in a minute. So hope you enjoy that. (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening. Take care.